DEI budgets are under attack, but the goals haven't changed. Whether you're looking to increase your DEI knowledge, expand your market reach, or gain a competitive advantage in business, we have the solution. TDM Library is your single source for expert curated DEI resources, strategies, and solutions, all designed to help you transform your workplace culture and be a more effective contributor. For $9.99 per month, you get access to our searchable subscription-based digital library. There, you'll find articles, practical how-to guidebooks, podcasts, award-winning micro-videos, and more than 700 Q&As designed to help DEI practitioners, thought leaders, and executives create a more inclusive workplace. Whether you prefer to listen, watch, or read, we have the resources for you. TDM Library goes beyond the basics to dive deep into topics such as inclusive language, the business case for DEI, talent acquisition, and C-suite engagement. For less than the price of a sandwich, you get access to our library of more than a thousand pieces of original expert curated DEI content. Join today and get your first 30 days free. Get your library card now at tdmlibrary.thediversitymovement.com. You can't stop me, nothing's gonna stand in my way. You're listening to the High Octane Leadership Podcast with Donald Thompson. The world is shifting around you. None of us were trained for this changing environment. You need high octane leadership in an empathetic world before your business is swallowed alive. This podcast focuses on actionable, hands-on tools you can use to become a high octane leader today and grow strong leaders throughout your organization to survive tomorrow. Join me along with global C-suite leaders, rising stars, ambitious entrepreneurs, and other leaders from across industries as we dissect, interrogate, and redefine high-octane leadership in an empathetic world. This podcast is your home for uncovering the tools, lessons, and strategies you need to push your leadership to the next level. So one of the things that I'd like for us to think about is a lot of times when we talk about DEI, diversity, equity and inclusion, what are we really trying to do, right? Because you can call things different things and there's a lot going on in the political spectrum that is really trying to weaponize DEI and creating it as an antagonist kind of uh, set of solutions that are trying to not do things other than intended. But let me tell you what DEI and basically the way that we run our business, the way that we think that folks should think about it is organizations have a living and breathing culture. And that culture, right, an organization that creates an environment where people feel valued, respected, and motivated to succeed. And what we're trying to do as we drive people to build a culture-centric organization is to amplify the differences that we have for the greater good of the business. And so when we talk about diversity, equity, inclusion, right? It should ladder up to what kind of environment are you trying to build in your organization? It's everything as simple as do we pay women in the workplace the same as their male counterparts for the same work? Do we have an environment if someone uh, has an intellectual disability that accommodates their work environment so that they can be fully productive? 
We're not talking about, from a DEI standpoint, things like quotas or lowering standards for individuals. And that's something that can get confused when people are looking for a negative aspect, right, to something that is clearly uh, positive and growth-oriented towards the business. And so as we dive in, right, I want to talk a little bit about some of the DEI misinformation, some of the things that are out there in the in the in the media spectrum, in the in the water cooler, so to speak. I know we're all virtual, but uh, in the chat rooms and different things that just aren't true, uh, and and really, quite frankly, uh, can get us off track in what we're trying to do and understand and build. Right. So one of the things of misinformation is that DEI is an HR issue. DEI is a business issue. Um, I was talking to a sales professional, sales leader. And this sales leader was very candid. And he said, Don, I'm an executive in this company. I have um, met my quota for the last four to five years. And if I don't participate in this DEI stuff, this is the way he described it, there's really not anything that's going to negatively impact me. So I'm not sure why I should care. Right. And the individual said it with a little bit of rhythm to it. But I understood where they were coming from. Right. Because they viewed DEI as just another thing to do as um, something taking them away from dialing for dollars, and why did they need it? And so instead of taking offense to that, right, which is not my job, my job is to be helpful in organizations, not bring my personal feelings to the party. Uh, I'm a human, so occasionally it bleeds through, but my goal really is to help educate and grow uh, organizations. I simply asked the sales professional, in this case, this was an executive vice president of sales, so he had uh, a very large financial number. He was working with a $100 million company. And I said, how many sales professionals do you have on your team? And he said, uh, about 50 folks uh, all across North America and a handful uh, in some global footprint regions. And I said, um, I happen to be a former sales professional. I, I'm a CEO, so I'm always in sales, but uh, that used to be my job in the technology space. And I asked very clearly, I said, do you care from black, white, green, right, or orange, if I can sell $5 million worth of software on an annual basis? He said, absolutely not. He said, I, he said, that's why I don't need this diversity stuff. I'm not a racist. I just want people that can perform. I said, okay. I said, so would it make sense for your talent acquisition folks to reach out to more schools, to broaden the tent of people that are recruiting, to find people that may look different, have a different background, have a different educational background, but have the capability to meet your standard. He said, yeah, that makes sense. I'd be for that. I said, so would you be okay if we worked with your talent acquisition team and gave them better recruiting practices, better ways to write job descriptions so that it would be more attractive to a broader group of talents that, again, can meet your criteria? He said, I think that's really smart. I said, okay. Are you seeing more women professionals in decision-making positions, right, in the software sales cycle? He said, in fact, I am. As companies grow and different things, he said, I said, do you think that's a good thing? He said, I think it's a great thing. I said, well, would it make sense then when you're talking about technology solutions, instead of saying man hours to build a new technology, to build an implementation plan, and we said person hours? He said, again, Don, that makes sense. That's helping me do my job better. I said, and I gave him a couple of more examples. And I said, now, you 
probably don't understand or care about pronouns, right? He, him, her, they, them, right? But what if you're talking to somebody that has the ability to buy from your company? Wouldn't you want your sales team trained in understanding that using the pronoun they, them is usually more inclusive across the board so that we don't offend people on purpose? He said, well, that's just good people skills and good sales training. I said, okay. And what we ended up with is that this leader wasn't against DEI. This leader was against what he thought DEI meant. He thought that everything about DEI was a race discussion versus business productivity discussion, how to sell more software. When I then talked to him about heterogeneous sales teams, so diverse sales teams in a, in a company that I'm working with had a 10% higher hit rate. I said, would you like a piece of that action? He said, that makes a lot of sense. So I think that DEI as an HR issue is because we don't link diversity, equity, inclusion to the flow of work for the individuals that we're asking to change. And I think that's a fundamental misstep in any kind of change management, let alone something that is um, as a hot button issue or as culturally sensitive as one is making diversity, equity, inclusion. We also talk, and I talk with leaders all the time, that we're not talking about quotas. What we are talking about is creating an arena to where all of our differences uh, allow us to feel empowered and feel included in the organization. And it's very important that we understand that DEI is not just about race and gender. It's about intellectual disabilities. It is about geography, right? It is about generational diversity, which is huge today, right? Where Gen Z, millennials, Gen X are all working together in organizations and need to push things forward, right? And DEI in the workplace is not about a, it's it's not about politics, right? It's about using tools to attract the best and brightest. Let's take a quick break. As a black professional, I faced many challenges inherent to contemporary America. I had to fight to secure my place and fulfill my dreams. Underestimated, a CEO's unlikely path to success is my story. Whether you are a young person of color, a rising leader in your organization, or someone who may feel a little bit lost. There is a path forward that is built on grit, determination, perseverance, and drive. I've dedicated my career to developing my leadership skills and then coaching others towards success. In Underestimated, you can follow my unique path, uncovering business and life lessons that can help anyone realize their dreams. You can order Underestimated wherever books are sold, and find more information at donaldthompson.com. Now, back to the show. I think it's important before we get into the numbers and some of the financial things, just to understand some of the links in and around diversity, equity, inclusion, right, as we, as we embrace this topic. And then we'll go into some of the measures and, and how do you really create data architecture and all that good stuff uh, as we go along. But one of the things that I do like to talk about, uh, because a lot of times people don't know how to articulate it and they've not experienced it, are what are some of the object objections that people hear, right, and spout and talk about relative to diversity, equity, inclusion? And I'm going to touch on uh, a few of them, right? So 
Number one, why are we focusing on DEI? Can't we just get back to work? Enough with DEI. It's getting old. Time to move on to something else. There's this term uh, people will talk about DEI fatigue and different things like that. So the way that I address that with people in general and talk about is really it's the tone and the temperature to which we discuss some of these things. If we're talking about DEI in a way that is attacking, in the way that creates an environment where we're talking about what people haven't done versus what they can do, if we are using terms that are trying to change people's perspective versus this, I was, I was very uh, blessed, right, to be able to talk to folks at a lot of different levels and organizations. And in this case, I was an executive of a, of a multi-billion dollar financial institution. You know, he asked some of these similar questions. And I said, well, it's not really, can't we just get back to work? It is DEI in the context of work. And so the example I used is giving and receiving feedback, right? And in order to have better an employee, better employee engagement, better retention, right? Most people in surveys that we've seen, and we've done, we've got tens of thousands of survey responses from companies we work with now, is that retention and as CFOs and controllers and uh, finance leaders, we all know that retention is a very significant cost, that turnover cost. The level of quality relationship with your direct manager has a critical link to whether or not you're going to retain that employee. So that means if we can teach people leaders to give and receive feedback in a more collaborative and inclusive way, we are helping to manage retention within the organization which increases our ability to be productive and grow the business. Again, this executive had a light bulb come on because people are making assumptions about what DEI is. And when you explain to them what it truly is and can impact, they usually get it pretty quickly, right? And it's, it's really uh, about the way that it's approached, right? Here's another one that I'll talk to. Why do LGBTQ plus people have an agenda to change us? Okay, I think, and, and I had this question asked to me and this discussion with a very strong uh, Mormon business leader who just had a very, very strong religious personal reason, right? That he was really allergic to the LGBTQ plus conversation. And so we sat and we talked, and one of the things I appreciated was the candor in his comments and a couple things that I described. So I said, number one, diversity, equity, inclusion programming includes you. So the goal is not to try to get you to sign up for someone else's agenda. The goal is for you to understand the perspectives of others so that you can be a better leader, that in the case of marketers, that you can sell more to different demographics. And then as an overall brand for your organization, you can build your brand strategy that brings people to you versus pushes people away, right? Another one that I get a lot is, I'm so busy, why do I have to do this DEI stuff? And, you know, this is not untrue. A lot of these, some of these objections are based in like, these are people's real feelings. When you're launching DEI initiatives in your organization, you have to look at timing and tempo. 
How many other things are we asking people to learn, try, change, work on at the same time? Most of the time, DEI fatigue is not real because most people aren't focused on it that much. But most people have change fatigue in terms of all the things that are happening within a business. And so sometimes the best way to move forward is to move slow and build momentum over time. And so I'll give a, an example here. So I was talking with a CEO and uh, in, invited in to talk to their leadership team and just do an industry briefing on DEI. It, it was really a, a project-centric uh, piece of work, and I'm happy to do it. And we'll just go in and, based on the industry, kind of talk about best practices in the industry for DEI, what we're seeing in their, their space in particular, and things that the executive team can work on to further DEI in their business. And this is usually folks that are either starting or maybe they've hit a little momentum lag in their DEI program, but we'll go to the executive. So after my talk, the leader said, uh, budgets are tight. Uh, we don't have a lot of dollars to devote to any new um, projects right now, but would love your perspective on something low cost that our executive team could get started with to build some momentum around diversity, equity, inclusion. And I said, fantastic. And a, and, a, and a super and astute question. And so I said, you all should read the Inclusive Language Handbook by Jackie Ferguson. And he goes, okay. He said, why? I said, because we can all change our language by just being more thoughtful with a little bit of education. And again, many of us grew up saying, you guys, let's move that to everyone. Right. I talked about before, instead of man hours, let's say person hours, um, instead of saying chairmen, say board chair. Right. There are things that we can do in our language that is much more inclusive. So the leader took me up on this opportunity. They ordered 15 books for their leadership team and a couple other key leaders in the organization. They then had several consultants come in for uh, some trans digital transformation stuff that they were being pitched. And the leaders on the leadership team were very specific and said to the consultants, before you start pitching into our organization, we're going to need you to work on your inclusive language and change a couple of things in your slides. Step one. Step two is the same executive ordered 1,000 copies of the inclusive language handbook to make available to every single one of his team members. That endorsement that DEI matters, that endorsement of a small step first, and that leadership movement is huge. And it didn't cost them a million dollars or hundreds of thousands of dollars. The leader said, we're gonna start small in this work, but we're gonna lead by example, and we're gonna incorporate it into what we're doing. And so, again, I wanted to just give some examples. Number one, it's, it's not that you have to try to answer every objection. It's simply this. And then I see a couple of questions that I'm going to dive into uh, as we've got plenty of time to, together. And, and I want to be really specific with what I share with you. Um, it's really how you listen to the objections. And what is this person really concerned about? And what I try to think about is this. When someone has an objection or question in and around diversity, equity, inclusion, I don't automatically assume they're negative about DEI, that they're a bad person, that they're uh, whatever. I just say, maybe I don't understand their point of view and I'd like to, 
And if I fully understand their question, their point of view, maybe they'll hear from me, right? About how I can kind of reorient that thinking a little bit and expand their, their mental model. And so that tone of how we answer those questions is super, super important.